0: You know i get to go to can i get to go to all of these great film festivals and i didn't want to show up on a red carpet wearing stretch pants or a polyester suit right like yes. i want to look like everybody else and mm-hmm. i wanted to look powerful and more importantly than even how i looked how i wanted to feel
1: that's tracy christian and this is the powerful ladies podcast I'm Kara Duffy, a business coach and entrepreneur on a mission to help you live your most extraordinary life by showing you anything is possible. People who have mastered freedom, ease, and success, who are living their best and most ridiculous lives and are making an impact are often people you've never heard of until now. There are times when you see a woman and you know instantly, she's a powerful lady The clues are in her confidence, her body language, and often what she's wearing. For many plus size women, finding the clothes to show up looking as powerful as they felt has been a challenge. That's what's inspired Tracy Christian, a mega successful talent agent, to create her own fashion house, Sante Grace. In this episode, we discuss how everyone deserves to look great, the power of being your own advocate, how anything you want in life is just a game waiting for you to play, and that the life you want is waiting for you to come and get it. Tracy, I'm very excited to talk to you today. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies
0: Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me.
1: Let's jump right in and tell everyone your name, where you are in the world, and what you're up to.
0: Oh, my name is Tracy Christian. I'm in uh, Los Angeles, California. And although it says it's only 85 degrees, why does it feel like it's 185? It really does today. It's yeah. hot as H-E double hockey sticks today. I'm glad I'm not the only one.
1: No, and, and I keep you know getting news updates on my phone about how the rest of the country and the world is hanging out at like a cool 110 today. And I'm like, I cannot imagine if this is what 85 feels like today. I cannot imagine what 110 feels like in other parts of the world.
0: Yeah. There's something about the quality of the heat (laughs) that has changed, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I don't know enough about global warming and thermodynamics or whatever, but definitely something is different in the last yeah. 20 years but that's that's something for another podcast Get a, a powerful woman who who understands whatever that the science would be
1: well um you know you are here today because my sister jordan got to meet you in person and she was like you have to talk to this amazing woman she's a powerful lady she's great her brand's great um so what is your brand and what makes it so special
0: Um, Are you talking about my brand, Sante Grace? Yes, I am. (laughs) I mean, Sante Grace, where do I even start? Like, it's about emancipating women. And I know, like, we hear that all, you know, (laughs) we've been locked up and tied down so long that there are a lot of different brands that say that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my experience growing up as a bigger person, you know, but I was always taller than everyone I developed before everyone. Also, you know, where I grew up, I was often the only person of color Mm -hmm. and always being someone who was different. And one of the ways that it manifests in my life was, you know, I just wanted to look like everybody else. I just wanted to have the same experiences as everyone else. But you can't when you're, you know, in sixth grade and you're five, seven, you know, and and you can't, or, you know, at least now you don't have the same experience as everyone when you are a size 26. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to end the crying in the fitting room. Yeah. I, I wanted in the same way that my friends who are size four or six, they look in Vogue magazine and they're like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Or, you know, they see a film and the bride is beautiful and they get to look like that. Mm -hmm. People who are my size historically have not. And I said, "Um, I have money, I can solve that. Yeah. That's what my brand is about.
1: Well, and, and you declare it as a accessible luxury brand. Plus size yeah. of clothing. And yeah. you know, I think having accessible and luxury next to each other is not something that's often seen. So, you know, what do those two words mean
0: to you? Well, look, accessible luxury. Ultimately, for me, luxury means being able to have what you want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Yeah. Not what's available not what people advise you you should have or whatever it's being able to have and look the way you want and that's the option that we you know at go to women and we say this is not going to be the place where you know this you have yet another polo shirt this is a place of fantasy and whim like if we do a polo shirt it's going to be made out of cashmere when we do you know a wrap skirt which is a very simple design it's made out of you know fine linen um it's a place of kind of whimsy so we keep it on, we keep the price point accessible uh we keep and it's accessible because it's also on social media mm-hmm. you know it's not some rarefied world where only a handful of people have access to the brand or even know that it exists mm-hmm. Um, you know, so as much as luxury can be, we're kind of populous. We're saying everybody come in, everyone enjoy. And in the same way that we want great things for our friends and family, the ultimate way that you emancipate yourself and you take care of yourself, love yourself, right? Every day that you walk outside, love the way you look. Mm -hmm.
1: And and that's something that all people of all walks of life struggle with at such, you know, both- shallow and deep levels. And I think it's one of those sneaky things where like, okay, I've broken through that. And then a life event happens and you're like, damn it. I have not conquered that at all.
0: Yeah. It sneaks up on you.
1: It does. It does. Like, you know, in addition to looking great, what are you doing to remember how amazing you are?
0: Oh my gosh. That is a, that's a fantastic question (laughs) and really no, and it really shows your humanity, if nothing else. So so thank you for that. Um, it's a deep question. So really, like, during the pandemic, these were like the most tumultuous two years, yeah. right? So we had, you know, a number of people of color that didn't survive their their interactions with police, mm-hmm. Um We had, you know, January 6th, we had the Trump, wherever you, you know, land on the side, the Trump presidency, Mm -hmm. we had, there was so much going on. And then people were not just getting sick, people were dying in this pandemic. And I think all of us, unfortunately, have been touched by it. We have a, a friend or, you know, it was a crazy time, but Here's what I took out of it. I said, this is a, you know, if I survive this, or one, my number one job was to survive the pandemic. But when you survive, you don't want to come out of it the same person you went into it. Yeah. Um, and I took out, like, I know this is going to sound so 70s, so est, right? That I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So the way I lived my life before the pandemic was... Always trying to do not just a good job, but a great job, and never being satisfied with my efforts. <laughs> right. If I was the yeah. kid that if I got an A, why didn't I push myself to get an A plus? And if I got an A plus, what can I get beyond that? Why did I even you know that there had to be so, so it was I, I I could never gratify myself, never mind what other people thought of me. I was never happy with myself. And today, and it's it's like I'm in AA because I practice this, not just day by day. I literally practice it minute by minute that I have to continually tell myself that Tracy, look at your track record. You show up, you always do your best. You do the research and what you do is good. It is good enough. Stop beating up yourself. You don't become any better, any more proficient, you know, by beating up yourself. In fact, you diminish yourself. So um, that's a practice that I have every minute of every day. You know, I have those negative tapes running through my head, like a lot of us do. And it's a fight, Mm -hmm. you know, not to have them. I don't even know how to shut them off, but like not to have them be the focus of my day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of effort that goes into telling that voice to shut up. And um, in my Thrive membership, which is all female entrepreneurs, like group coaching, um, we were talking about this one day, and one of the women says, oh, well, I call that voice Fran, and I'll say, fuck you, Fran. And then I got married, and that's my mother-in-law's name. So I had to rename Fran. But secretly, I'm always calling her Fran. <laughs> yeah. Think that is amazing, but it's so true it's that story. we have to say, fuck you, Fran, some days because we know it. Like, even the voices that say the worst things to us, they're they are coming from a place of wanting to protect us, of survival. And they're just, they're just stuck on the dark side of fear. And it's like, no, it's okay. We don't need to, I don't need voices from that side today. Thank You show up when I'm in the woods and it's a bear coming, but today no, I'm good.
0: But- you yeah, know, I realize I made a, a change because mm-hmm. I watch a show called I there's just two shows I love. One's called Naked and Afraid, and the other one is Alone, right? Where they just drop someone Bold
1: petrifying, uh-huh. Right.
0: <laughs> so there's so there's one show. Where you know this guy is dropped in an inhospitable environment, and there's bears, there's grizzly bears everywhere, and he's trying to avoid the grizzly bears, obviously, and not let the grizzly bears eat his food. And I said, hunt the grizzly. Why yeah. aren't you hunting the grizzly? And I and I was like, oh yeah, that's such a Tracy thing to say. That's such a Tracy thing. Just become the alpha, right? Like oh, just take out this six hundred pound apex predator with what? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, with wit and knowledge, and yeah, I, yeah,
0: I would be the person who hunted the grizzly, killed the grizzly, and been like, "It's not good enough. This is (laughs) this and this is enough meat for me, but not the crew. Mm
1: -hmm. You
0: failed again, Christian."
1: Oh my goodness, it. it, it, We are we are such our worst enemies. Sometimes it's amazing. Mm -hmm.
0: And Where, where do we get that from? Why is it so universal? Right? Why do you find so many successful people? Like I used to believe that it kept me sharp, but Mm -hmm. it didn't. It really was diminishing me and making it harder for me to be excellent. Where do we get that? And why do we keep it?
1: You know, this is something that I have asked myself a lot because I'll go through phases where I'm in that competitive space and I'm really energized and making things happen. And and like, I, I feel empowered by it. And then I'll go through another phase where I should be doing more rest and relaxation. And that voice is like, you're being lazy, you're being lazy. And I'm like, shut up. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think for me, it's a, it's a work in finding when to lean into it and when not to. Because, you know, there are just, sometimes I feel like I'm, I have a hard time connecting with people who aren't seeking more and who are satisfied. Um, also because of, you know, my story of what satisfied means. And I'm like, is that like really that's what you're going to choose like as good enough like you uh, whether you deserve more or you're capable of more like as a coach i get i have to really separate my own personal feelings about what is enough for other people because i'm always like yeah but it's this close like or you could just do this and then you'd have this and they're like yeah but i don't want that and i'm like well that's no fun I'm going to go find someone else to play, <laughs>
0: right? Well, so, tell me how you define an, an, uh, mm-hmm. like success yeah. because I think you're a lot like the people I hang out with.
1: Well, I do think it's a very personal thing. And, and pers- for me personally, success is always about how am I um, finding enough optimization in the spaces that I care about? Like when I coach people, mm. I, I have this like uh, eight spheres of success that we use as a measuring tool. And so half of it has ones that come from other um, books and and leaders in this space about like common ones, like career and business, relationships, love, you know, um, money and finances, health and wellness. Like those are the common four. But I know for myself and a lot of people I work with, we also need a self-expression bucket. We need a learning bucket. Uh, Are we being curious? Do we have playtime? Because I know that all... The, the common four, I'm pretty good at having a to-do list for. The other four are what really fill me up and I tend to to sacrifice for the other side. So really trying to balance those values and like what is thriving for me look like. But I'm constantly writing that down so I know because I do think there's power in using a very um, alpha kind of male process to make sure achievement happens. Well, once it's written down, how do I go back into a more relaxed feminine space? Um, But I think that there's just sometimes you can see from the outside people who say they're happy, but you know, you're like, you're saying you're happy and people who act happy tend to act different than you are. Maybe that's something we can talk about. So that's usually where I'm looking to push people instead of you know, making a million dollars instead of $250,000 a year, like I do not that's less of an indicator for me, even though I also know the difference between those two is actually very small from an effort perspective, if you want it. Sure. Um, but that's like I
0: selling houses, point. same effort mm-hmm. to sell a hundred thousand dollar house yes. as a million dollar house.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that's usually what I'm looking at. Does any yeah. of that make sense to you?
0: All of that. Makes, <laughs> all of that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, you know, where did Sante Grace come from? Were you, were you working in fashion and apparel before you started this? Was it brand new to you? What's the origin? Mm-hmm.
0: Now, so the, or, it starts with my grandmother. I don't know if I told you guys this story. Um, so my grandmother, uh, you know, is from um, Chattanooga, Tennessee and got married prohibitively young as they used to do in those days. And, you know, like at 25 years old, found herself like with five kids and in a bad marriage and what have Mm -hmm. you. And she just didn't know how to extricate herself, you know? So she was praying about it and she had a confrontation with her husband and she told him, she pointed to one of the kids and said, you see him, as soon as he's able, he's potty trained, I'm leaving you. And, her husband laughed in her face and said, you don't have an education. You're nobody, you know, yeah. Where are you going? And to a degree he was right. You know, mm-hmm. there weren't the same level of social services and, you know, society was like, yeah, if your husband cheats on you and still comes home, you're lucky, you yeah. know, uh, And you're this uneducated Black woman in the deep South. Sit down, shut up, take care of your kids. And she just, she didn't know what to do. So she was um, at church and there was a, she calls her stout. There was a, um, maybe it was the pastor's wife or a woman in the church who was complimenting my grandmother on her dress. My grandmother was really tiny, like five one. And she said, oh, Grace, you, you wear these great clothes. I wish I could dress just like you. And my grandmother said, Well, you can dress like me. I made this dress. I didn't buy it. I'll just make you one. I have some extra fabric. And so she made the the dress and brought it to the church. And the woman paid her for it and said, I love the dress. And and then when the woman wore the dress to church, more women asked about, where'd you get this dress? Oh, I got it from Grace. And so she started this kind of sewing business and didn't realize she, you know, it kind of hit her one day like, oh, I'm making money. And she saved the money, literally putting it under her, under her mattress. And one day her husband came home and there were divorce papers sitting on the, you know, banquette and she'd packed up the kids and found a house in New Jersey and said, bye-bye. Wow. (laughs) And, um, so she raised me with this notion of, you know, being independent and always, you know, having your own resources, right? Um, so, and my grandmother was the person who taught me to sew. And we would, um, she would make herself a dress and then we would make one in my size. So we were twinsies and then we, yeah, we make one for my Barbie doll or, you know, yeah. my little doll. So that was my first row. I mean, that was hardly fashion, but, you know, that was like entry-level sewing. And then I think just like a lot of women, I like clothes. I like fashion. I liked the gossip about different designers and, but I never worked in the fashion industry beyond working in the mall or working Mm -hmm. at a clothing store. And then I worked for a converter, um, like a textile mill. So I learned a lot about the composition of textiles and dyeing and things like that. Um, and then I always wanted a clothing line. I thought, you know, I design I couldn't find the clothes that I wanted for my career. Mm-hmm. I'm a talent agent, and I have a great life, you know, Like the rest of the world is watching the Oscars, and I'm there. Yeah, you know I get to go to cannes, I get to go to all of these great film festivals, and I didn't want to show up on a red carpet wearing stretch pants or a polyester yeah. suit right? Like yeah. I want to look like everybody else and mm-hmm. I want it to look powerful. And more importantly than even how I looked, how I wanted to feel. Yeah. Um, and, and it's also a weird dichotomy where you're like negotiating a multi-million dollar deal for someone and you can't find clothes that fit Like, just clothes that fit. You can't find a suit. Yeah. Like, I'm forever showing up in leggings and a nice sweater, you know, with a $10,000 handbag. I wanted to look the way I wanted to look. The way you felt. The way I felt about myself. Absolutely. So I started designing my own clothes. I found a seamstress. And um, I started designed design my own clothes and I got a lot of compliments and I thought, oh, I should start a clothing line. But that was like, you know, 25 years ago. And uh, there wasn't the technology where you could kind of do this kind of thing on the fly. And then when the pandemic hit, literally like at three o'clock in the morning, there was a voice that just said, start your clothing line.
1: I love when that happens.
0: I, I love, right? So <laughs> Parsons was online. So I got into Parsons. And I started attending Parsons online at the same time starting a clothing line and develop, developing a collection. Yeah. That's, a long, that's the truth of it. No, but,
1: but I love it. I mean, there's the fact that the fashion industry has been around since humans started putting anything on their body. And it really isn't an industry that works the way that it should you know, um, any woman who buys clothes off the rack, it is a miracle if it fits you the way it should. Like, you you know, having a tailor in your back pocket for women who don't, I'm like, get one, get one, get one, get one. Um, clothing is
0: about humiliation, even if you're a size four. (laughs) Yeah. Right. No, literally like in my business, I won't Mm -hmm. name the names but I've represented some beautiful women who to us all, you look at them and you're like, they have a beautiful figure. Yeah. Doing Pilates every day. And, you know, my job is to say like, okay, wear a padded bra when you go to this meeting with Leo Mm -hmm. and they're like, what? I graduated from tit. It's not about that. The character has to like nobody's nobody's body is perfect. Nobody's no. body is perfect. And when you walk into, you know, in the old days, Barney's, Saks Fifth Avenue, the designers let you know that. These male designers, they have something in their mind and that's what they design. And generally, you don't look good in it or fit it without some zhuzhing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's part that we, we don't talk about the zhuzhing enough, like women to woman, we don't. Because, you know, I, I'm not from California, but I've lived in Orange County six years now in LA or California for 10. And moving to California, Southern California, I had gone out to dinner with a a cousin who's really like my dad's cousin and his at the time wife, who was very much you would expect from a stereotypical Orange County wealthy woman, like I had work done, was petite, like and knew all the things that she's like, we're going to have to give you a California makeover guy. And I was like, what? She's like, well,
0: Killer. Botox.
1: Yeah. I was like, part of me was like tempted to be like, okay, what's on that list. But I was just like, I'm good. Um, but it's, it's so interesting to, to know that no matter where you are in the world, there are these things that women are doing that are allowing them to look great. Whether it's, you know, just simple things like wearing sunscreen and going to bed early to you're like, wait, how old are you? How did you make that happen? You know, it's like,
0: yes, and nobody thanks. Exactly. right. nobody tells men like you need your full eight hours or mm-hmm. use salicylic acid or, yes. right? They yeah. get to just show up in the world. Look, and I'm sure they have their thing too a bit, mm-hmm. but they get to just show up in the world. Yeah. I love going to the beach in Europe because there are yeah. these like, Gorillas on the beach, like you can't even see the banana hammock they're wearing because their stomach is Mm -hmm. covering their genitalia, and this is hair and it's gray, like all. And they are fine. They're fine. They're like, I belong, I fit in. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Right, and they're swimming and they're living life and all of this. And then there's some woman who's like a size eight who's wondering if she is allowed to wear a bikini. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you insane? Like. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, those are the things that we have to change.
1: It, we do. And I think it's also it's, it's like to remember to share that information, but also not to be afraid to ask. You know, I think also in, in entrepreneur circles or even in professional circles, we get it's a, it's a no no to ask, like, what are you charging or what are you making? And we had a, a whole um, workshop for creatives mm. and everyone agreed. We're going to talk about what we're charging. Because the more you know, the more you can do something with it, either figure out how to make your services worth that, or is it a a money conversation with yourself, or just to know that the woman next to you is making double for no other reason than because she asked. And it's like, there's just these things that shouldn't be taboo to talk about if it's making everyone happier, more successful, more fulfilled. And we don't need to... um, Not... Like we don't need to keep it to ourselves because
0: why? Well, because we're afraid, right? We don't want to. Mm-hmm. We don't want to make waves. I, again, the, the the pandemic has actually been, you know, excellent for me. Like now, I feel like I really show up in my mm-hmm. life, and I'm honest, and I ask questions that I never did before, mm-hmm. and I do my best, and I recognize, and I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah. That, like I'm I'm happy with myself, and. What could we do if girls started out like at eight years old, if we could, you know, like as soon as we were hitting puberty or 13 or whatever, if we could feel that way about ourselves, Mm -hmm. if they didn't look at, you know, a Britney Spears and like, why, why is it my stomach concave? Yeah.
1: Someone was asking me recently who I admired growing up from a female perspective. And I realized, all of my female heroes as a kid were fictional characters. <gasps> and I didn't even realize it because I'm like, I just didn't think about it at the time. And I was like, oh, Babysitter's I mean, oh, mean, Club and Nancy Drew and Jem and the Hologram. Like, they all happen to be teenagers running businesses. So it's no surprise what I'm doing today. But like, I was like, oh, those weren't real people. They occurred to me at the time as very real. Right. But so it's so interesting when I'm asking, And I'm going to pivot this question back to you, like besides your grandmother or in addition to who were, who were women that have inspired you or mentored you or helped you along your journey?
0: Oh, interesting. So definitely my grandmother,
1: Mm -hmm. you know,
0: um, I I'm very fortunate. I have a very loving, nurturing, present family. Uh, so all of them, but so my grandmother, Mm -hmm. And in um, uh, sixth grade, Mrs. Troughton, my teachers in the gifted program, um, she was just a person that made you feel seen Mm -hmm. and smart and that that was a good thing. That it was a good thing to be a girl who maybe talked too much or read too much or had too many opinions, like don't pipe down. Yeah, It's okay. So Mrs. Troughton, and uh, I know I'm probably going to miss people because nobody's ever said that in life to me. Um, Another woman, I don't know, maybe, I mean, my mom, I don't know, but my grandmother really stands out because life, um, what's that? What's that movie, A Beautiful Life? Yeah. That's a, that's you remember a many years ago, won an Oscar? Mm-hmm. And the reality, the reality was they were in a, a concentration camp mm-hmm. and, you know, probably going to be killed, right? But the narrative that that character created for his son, like that they found joy wherever they were. And my mm-hmm. grandmother was that kind of person. So... I never realized it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized like, Oh, she didn't have much of an education or she somehow put people through college and bought a house by being a bathroom attendant. Like the lowest of the low, you know, that doesn't sound good for me to say, but you know, not a fancy job at all. And, uh, and just always was a person like so full of hope and joy and Mm -hmm. love. And, and I, that just takes so much character.
1: How did you become a talent agent?
0: It's kind of a dirty story.
1: <laughs> well, now you have to tell it when you start that way.
0: <laughs> kind of a dirty story. It's kind of a dirty story. So I was a groupie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I came home from being on tour, I'd exhausted my college trust fund. And couldn't move home. So I had to support myself and I had to finish school. So I started like a really schlocky modeling agency to put myself through school. But we made money. I made money. And um, I went to a fairly expensive college and paid for everything and supported myself. And um, one day I was speaking to a guy named John Singleton who went on to become you know, a really, really well-known director and my friend Joseph Doherty, who's an acclaimed writer. And I said to them like, what do you guys think I should do for a living? Like this modeling thing is not for me. I feel Mm -hmm. like one step removed from being a pimp. Like as soon as I finish school, I'm out of this. And uh, John said, yeah, you should either be a madam or an agent.
1: Because they're all just one degree away.
0: Yeah, just one, same, same job, right? So I didn't want to go to jail. So um, I let him set me up at a meeting of his agency and in my mind you know agents were all it was like the Ari Gold character in Entourage and funny I ended up representing Jeremy Piven for a number of years but um that's what being an agent was and I didn't look Mm -hmm. like that at all I had blue hair and I was black and I you know like this rocker chick but when I went on the interview and I heard what the agent had to say Something struck a chord, Mm -hmm. and you know, I ended up, I got a job in the industry, and I can remember my first week there. You know, when you have a position, you're like, I love this, yeah, I like it fit, yeah, it fit. Somehow instinctually, I knew what to do, where to go. And then, you know, I have a very strong work ethic. So I, you know, I read every book that I could get my hands on, fictional and nonfiction about the industry. I was the person, I think I was making $400 a week, you know, and still I, you know, was going out to lunch every day with people. And I would just cold call, like I'd read an article, someone would be interviewing Ron Meyer who was ahead of you? Uh, he was a. Was he still an agent at CAA or was he at NBC? Then I can't remember. And he would say like, "Oh yeah, you know, I want to be supportive of young people." And I would just cold call him. Hey, let's go to lunch. You know, I'll take you to the to the Ivy. And he's like, "Who? Who's this?" Person? <laughs> Don't worry about who I am. I'll spend I'm my fun. whole
1: paycheck. No big deal. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And and I would like my credit was horrible then because I I would I just invested everything. In yourself, yeah, I, I I put it all on the table, and uh, it paid off. That's how I became an agent.
1: I love that. No, it's it's. There's moments in life when you know, and I and I really appreciate that your story keeps bringing up these moments when you knew, like it was time to start the clothing business. It, this was the role for you. Yes, call that person. You know, is that listening to yourself? Is that something that you were? Is that how you were born? Is that what you've worked on? How have you had the courage and maybe sometimes the audacity to be like, I can do it. Let's try it.
0: You ask very good questions. They're very deep. Thank I want you. it to be very linear and you are just digging in there. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not giving usually I can speak in sound bites. I feel like I'm all over the place. I don't know how this nope. is gonna be edited. You're doing amazing. Yeah. Look, thankfully, because I had a family Mm -hmm. that loved and nurtured me, Mm -hmm. I trusted my gut. Yeah. I trusted my gut. And even when I was afraid, like my first real estate transaction was a house. I bought an apartment building. And I, other than reading a bunch of books about real estate, I didn't know what I was doing, but I thought to myself, other people have done it. Yeah. If I mess up, let's say I lose the house. I lose the building. Other people have done it. It's okay. Mm Yeah. I, right. I'm not Henry Kissinger negotiating whether or not, you know, we go to war with Russia. It's OK. Nobody will die here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just I. um I would say, oh, there's something that I want to do and I would reverse engineer how to do it. And I knew I may not have even done it the smartest way or the most whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm going to I'll figure it out as I get there. Yeah. And I trusted that I could. Figure it out. I mean, that look to be a groupie, that's what you have to do, right? You're like, I want to go on tour with Guns N' Roses, but I don't know anybody in Guns N' Roses. Do you know anybody that manages Guns N' Roses? Nope. I know anybody yeah, you- at the label? Nope. Mm-hmm. But you set a goal and then you kind of just reverse engineer and you wake up like, maybe I'm not on tour with Guns N' Roses, but I'm on the road with Rolling Stones. Not bad. Yep. Yeah. Oops worked out great. <laughs> Oops, I'm hanging out with Mick Jagger. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, you, you mentioned earlier um, about your gifted teacher and I had the honor slash pleasure of being in a, in the gifted classes in school. And we were, we're born in New Jersey. So I don't know, were you going to school? in I'm, I'm from Jersey. I was, okay. So I was born there. I don't, I don't consider it I'm from there because I left when I was three. I kind of, my family moved, but we were outside of Philadelphia. So sort of similar alignment with some educational things. And it breaks my heart in hindsight that every kid didn't get to go to the gifted classes because it was one of the first places I was at besides home where they said, try it. And, and, mm. and so I just, I, I really hear a lot of similarities to how you and I problem solve. Where it doesn't have to be perfect, we might want it to be, but we'll try it. We'll, we'll we're okay with some A/B testing. We like there's a curiosity in like the it almost becomes a game of I want Absolutely. that. How
0: do I get it? The gamification of life.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. and I just think it's so there's not enough of that is taught in any other curriculums. Maybe once in a while it shows up in in college level or grad level places where you have to to try things and test things and, and be creative and how you get to a solution, but it's not encouraged enough, I don't think. And it it breaks my heart that there aren't more people who are asked that question because I I don't the I, I don't really know how I ended up in that class. I do mm-hmm. from a, a why, like what the steps were, but I don't even know if everyone else was tested. I don't even know if like, because it wasn't like a standardized test that got me in there. It was someone saying maybe that person.
0: Wow. And
1: so I, I think there's just such a a missing in education because look at what opening that question has done for people like you and I, like we don't even realize how ingrained it is into who we are. Mm-hmm.
0: Look, I got into in San Francisco, we called it the gate program, gifted and talented and whatever. Yeah. And um, my mom had to fight to get me an opportunity to test. Yeah. So when when I was in New Jersey, I went to parochial school. So, of course, I was a little head mm-hmm. when I got to San Francisco and went to public school. And so I, you know, I finished my work and started talking. So the teacher to shut me up to keep me busy. <laughs> she had me like running errands around the school for her and making okay. coffee, which You know, I love being teacher's pet. So one day I went home and I told my mom how I was making coffee for the teacher. My mom's like, what? (laughs) You know, so she goes to school and she's talking like, hey, should we have Tracy skip a grade or, Mm -hmm. you know, what should we do? And the teacher said to her, she's not any smarter than any, like literally said, she's not gifted. She's not smarter than anybody. She just reads faster than everyone. And my mom said, "Okay, you know, you're the expert, but maybe we can have her test for this program. If she fails the test, no big deal. She Mm -hmm. passes it, you know. And the teacher said no. And so frustrating. frustrating. And I will always I mean, my mom is like unstoppable. You know, she's one of those tiger moms. Um, My mom went to the Board of Education and demanded that I'd be mm-hmm. allowed to take this test. Yeah, I took the test. I passed, and you know, then was in the gifted program, and then but, they had to just deal with all my anxiety.
1: <laughs> but it, it, the, the self advocacy is, I think, that other piece. And, you know, I'm, I'm so fascinated by how people became outliers, how people became exceptional. Malcolm Gladwell has that book, and it it touches on it briefly, but there's so many um, choices people make every day to move them into a space that maybe they wouldn't have belonged or didn't belong, and sheer determination, of course, is one of them, right? But that the self-advocacy place and having other people doing it for you before you can do it for yourself, it's... It's the original. If you don't ask, you can't get,
0: you know, that people get you get what you negotiate, not what you deserve. Mm -hmm. And look, and when my mom was going through that process, I was, I was a little kid, but I wasn't supportive of her. I wanted to like, you know, this is Mrs. Whatever. Leave her alone. Don't, you know, Yeah. but once I got into the program, that was the first time that I saw, Oh, the establishment or the administration, they're not always right. Mm -hmm. Right. Just because it's there in black and white doesn't mean that it's correct. Yeah. And, you know, that opened up a whole world for me. Um, Yeah, I just, I always felt free. Like once I identified something that was interesting to me or something that I was curious about, Mm -hmm. it seemed very natural to follow it. Like, you know, as a teenager, I'm curious about this band. I think this guy is cute. It's not enough for me to to play the album because we had albums then. I want to know more. Yeah. Right. I I want to be as special to them as they are to me. How do I make that happen? Mm -hmm. And then I would just do it.
1: Yeah. I will often ask people if eight-year-old you would imagine that this is your life.
0: Eight-year-old me, I I was supposed to have a more conventional life. At least eight-year-old me thought, right? Because what did I know about the world? Eight-year-old me thought that I would be single, and I am, and that I would not have kids, but I would live in like you know a very you know tall apartment building with views of the city. That I would work in international trade and banking, something like that. Um, and that I would be on the board of the Philharmonic or, or something like I, that's what I thought of myself, like, you yeah. know, as a kid that I'd be wearing, you know, like a power suit yeah. and, you know, be a contributor in the city and um, 80s
1: boss lady. Yep. Yes. 80s boss <laughs> lady.
0: Right. I'm wearing a Donna Karen wrap dress. Right. Yeah. Uh, notice how fashion was always a part. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but that that. But that's how I would live. And uh, yeah, that's not how I, live. <laughs> maybe it's not too far. Cause I do work in the arts. Mm-hmm. I do work with money. I don't know. Yeah. But I thought that's who I would, I would oh. be. I would be like Sigourney Weaver and like working girl.
1: <laughs> when I'm sick, I'm also I'll ask you what your movie is. When I'm sick, I always end up watching, um, baby, baby boom. Boo. And I always think about her as, like, the quintessential, like, 80s, 80s, powerful lady who, like, gets the curveball. And, like, I just, like, I adore that movie. So when you're sick, what's a movie that you watch?
0: Okay. (laughs) Um, I don't. I'm not that girl. I'm not, like, ice cream and watching a movie. Yeah. But here are the films that I watch over and over and over again. All About Eve, mm-hmm. The Godfather, Godzilla, <laughs> Dracula, Lehane. Um, mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. In the days where people actually painted their own nails, The Godfather's on. Right. You know, blowing out my hair. LaHaine is, yeah, those are the films that are like touchstones to me. Mm-hmm. Just over and over and over and over and over again.
1: What makes you most proud about your journey so
0: far? That I try to hold space for women. I recognize like one day I won't be here. And when I'm not here anymore, what value did I leave behind? How did I make it easier for the next generation? And, um, I think part of my obligation, particularly in entertainment is to be visible, to show, you know, other black people, other women, you can do this and you can operate a business at this level and operate in in integrity. It doesn't need to be about me pulling the knife out of my back to stab somebody else with it. Like, we don't do that at our agency. There's no screaming. There's no, you know, um, and it's like, that's what we've been trained that business is, you know, that you've got to be ruthless. And and I just say, like, you actually don't have to do that. I make a lot of money. I've made great careers and I have not screwed anybody. And I don't lie to people. Like you can be a decent human being and be successful. It's maybe it's harder. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but it's the way it's what we should strive for. It's easier to be the crook. Don't be the crook and help somebody else and be honest and don't be afraid of questions. You know, someone tried to teach me that, you know, questions diminish you and why don't you? And it's like, no, questions educate you. And questions build coalitions and allow people to trust you. Um, what, but what am I most proud of is I did it my way. Um, there's a lot of people out there. Like when I grew up, you were supposed to, the way that you were supposed to be successful is, you know, you went to a certain type of private school and then you went to a certain level of college and you got, you know, you then you either got a law degree or you went to B school. Mm-hmm. If you didn't become a doctor or whatever, and you didn't really work in the arts unless you had family money. And there was there were these kind of pre-supposed you know, supposed lanes or scripts that we were supposed to follow. And I think someone can look at my life and say like, yeah, you can do that way and it might work and that's great, but you can do, I totally did it my way
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I'm still going to lunch with those people.
1: Yeah. So... I get such satisfaction out of proving people wrong. It's definitely on my you know, list of things to probably work on to be a better human. But usually it's because what I'm doing isn't just to prove them wrong, because it's like the right thing or it's the way to do it differently. Um, and I think sometimes just living a life of our own design is just that at a lifetime scale.
0: I'm going to say that. Living a life of my own design <laughs> at a lifetime scale. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a better way to sum it up.
1: You know, when you look at what you've achieved with Santa Grace and people who are so appreciative that it exists, wh- what are the conversations you've had or the messages you've received that have really touched your heart about that brand?
0: Girl, why are you trying to make me cry on this
1: thing? <laughs> You're allowed to. People have cried before on this podcast, so...
0: Oh my God. Literally you have women saying things like, look, I had an experience. My mom, a few years ago, she had a high school reunion and she didn't, She ended up not going to her high school reunion. Why? Cause at the time she was overweight and she couldn't look the way she wanted to look. Now for a lot of these people, it's probably the last time they're going to see one another.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So for her to forego that because she couldn't find a dress, Like clothes mean something. Yeah. Like when they say, you know, it's not about appearances. No, no, no. It is about how you show up in the world, especially when you don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, so when people tell me that like, they got the promotion, right? Like that wearing this outfit gave them the courage to get the promotion or, they really wanted to start dating again, but they didn't feel sexy. They felt like, a, you know, dowdy or whatever. And they found some grown-up clothes that allowed them to feel like a woman, to feel desirable, that some that, to feel like a creature that someone else might want to take care of or spend time with. Um, and that they didn't feel like I also have a lifetime of walking into a store and always looking at what's the largest size.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. That's where I start. What's the largest size? Oh, okay. They don't have anything that fits me and people having the experience of coming to our website and that things are too big. So women saying yeah. in my life, nothing has ever been too big for me. Um, yeah. and there's something that you might find really weird. I, you know, is we make, um, we use silk a lot. And, um, I, if I had a dollar for every woman who said that she's never worn silk because they don't make silk, they don't use silk in plus size. We might get a really nice poly, (laughs) but no, no silk. And, you know, women being like, look, I'm 37 years old and it may not seem like a big deal, but it was great that like, I had on a beautiful silk dress. Mm -hmm it meant everything, but, oh, what actually is inter- even as interesting to me is the people of negative comments about Sante Grace.
1: See, you've got that prove people wrong thing too. Uh huh.
0: I, de- I definitely <laughs> do. The people who are like, how dare you? This is too expensive. How dare you? Um, you know, you're encouraging these women to stay obese. And I just say like, we can agree to disagree on the, like, you know, fat acceptance or whatever. Mm-hmm. What does she wear today? If yes. she's a size 24 and yeah. you're an advocate, like she's got to lose weight. Okay, whatever. What does she wear on Monday? Mm-hmm. Right? What does yeah. she wear on Tuesday? She's not losing 65 pounds in a week. Her job so,
1: interview is tomorrow. How right. do we fix that problem?
0: <laughs> does, she, does she just lie in bed until she gets smaller? Like... <laughs> Like the people, people are really angry about clothes. I get Mm -hmm. emails, messages all the time. We have a caftan that's four hundred dollars, three ninety five. It's hundred percent Italian silk. You know, whatever. I get so many emails about that damn caftan. Why is this so expensive? This is ridiculous. That you think these you know, fat people make less than skinny people that you would charge this. Yes, 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 everything. I'm like, why do you care? Let's say nobody buys it. Why do you care?
1: Well, and even if we just do a price to price comparison, you can buy a TV or you can buy this. You choose.
0: I I say all the time, you can buy a honda yeah you can buy a mercedes mm-hmm. they both do the same thing yeah. right yeah. they both do the same thing who does anybody care which vehicle yeah. you're in no, just you
1: mm-hmm. and i mean i've seen statistics about how you know at this at the c suite level people who are taller people who are married people who are in better shape make more money yes um but like, I haven't seen that statistic at at lower management levels. And if that really was an argument, and there are statistics to support it, then maybe they didn't get the higher paying job because they weren't dressed for it.
0: Well, there's a there are some statistics that talk about after a certain size, mm-hmm. your um, ability to rise in the ranks is diminished, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing that directly counters that mm-hmm. is are you speaking the same language as your boss's boss? The language of appearance, like do you have a Cartier love bracelet? Are you carrying a Louis Vuitton never Full? Are you, and it's because we as human beings, we build tribes. And when we promote people, we want to see that they are communicating in the language of our tribe. Right? So if I'm wearing some fast fashion leggings you know, if I don't look like the tribe, I got to work five times as hard to convince them I can actually do this thing. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, I remember my dad told me this thing, you know, when I was a kid, he said, don't dress for the job you have, dress dress for the job that you want. Right. And there's that, all of that seventies and eighties and even nineties think about dress for your boss's boss. And, um, I think if people want to do that, accessible luxury is the way to do it. But Mm -hmm. even more importantly, I really just want women to feel good in their clothes and to be able to show up in the world in the way they want to, Mm -hmm. you know, so some, all of our clothes are so personal to me because a lot of them are just my fantasy clothes that I always wanted to wear. Yeah. Uh, Jen Wilder, who owns the Plus Bus, where I think we met, uh, she was my first product product manager. And you know we were working on things. And she says to me one day, are we going to have any blouses? Are there going to be any tops in this line? And I said, I don't know. They, they could just wear a, a t-shirt. And why? Because I'm a tall person. So all my life, I've had trouble finding pants, Right. Yeah. So I was like, and then we're gonna have these type of trousers and this yeah. jacket and the sleeves are gonna be like this. I don't have I don't have a problem finding tops. So I wasn't designing tops. I was like, you can get tops anywhere. I was <laughs> you can get tops anywhere. hmm But I had like, you know, 10 patterns for different pants. Yeah. But not anymore. Now we have a more realized line. Well,
1: and it's you know, the I worked in product for 20 years and it's like one of those things where you start and then you're like, oh, well, and we can add this and we can add this. And the hardest part of running a brand is the skew creep. And like, okay, we got to, we got to re- rein it back in because I know. Pareto's curve, even though we love it, we got to hold on. Like it's <laughs> what ends up on the drop floor is like the hardest, most crushing part of getting the power to create things that you want because you want it all. It all had a reason.
0: Don't even say it. Like you're in the, growth, yeah. the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> I never want to drop anything. I'll develop it. Yeah. And yeah. then I like cost it out. And it's like, like, okay, we can't do that just yet. Like, I don't care. Oh my God. My mom, I have a video of my mom asking me where her furs are and I'm like do, 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 because I wanted to have fur in the line. so I went to my aunt who wasn't paying attention and to my mom and I took their furs and reworked them so that we could offer fur in the line. I'm bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's well and there's there's so many there's so many things that intersect within fashion all the time. so, I'm, you know, it, it really is a thing. Once you start, you can't stop. Like, there's accessories, there's shoes. It's like, oh, you need, well, I want resort wear. I'm going to con. What can I wear in con? And it
0: just, it, yeah. I want it to be, I want like them to, to have a clothes orgasm. I want a woman to step into Sante Grace and be like, okay, so for the staff meeting, I'm wearing this. Bam, take that accounting. And then, you know, when I, when I see my ex, cause we've got to go to, I want to be like, bam, not even a boob job. These are real. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I want people to have, we all have some favorite outfits that we, we put it on. We know we're like, yeah. Right. And I said, I want to have a closet full of those outfits, mm-hmm. not just one or two, a closet filled. And then I talked to my girlfriends and said, like, what makes you feel yeah. that way? What makes you feel like you're getting the raise? And then that's what we created.
1: I did a video recently where I was asking, you know, everyone, whoever was listening, all five people, you know, when do you ever skip working out because you look cute that day and it's not that you have to go for drinks, the outfit does. Does anyone else do this? Because I didn't a few weeks ago. I was like, no, no, the outfit has to go out. Like, I don't need a drink, but it'd be a shame if this outfit never left my house.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, I do that with makeup. Yeah. Um, myself and my client Mona, if we get our makeup done and lashes mm-hmm. and everything, it's like, how do we? It's disgusting. Like, how do yeah. we keep this makeup look? And how many people can see that? We got to go out to drinks. Yeah. We got to, like, I can't just do whatever event we're made up to do. Yeah. No, no, no. no. We got to be all over LA. The windows got to be rolled down. People got to see. Look at the look. Yeah. Thank
1: this you. is not every day. We got to go. This is not every day. <laughs>
0: Look, Mm -hmm. there's no freckles. There's no, right. There's like, yeah. yeah. Um, I never know. My favorite workout and the only workout I do other than walking up and down my stairs is Pilates, Mm -hmm. which I am obsessed with and I'm horrible at.
1: Do you do reformer or mat Pilates?
0: Both. Mm -hmm. Both girl. Tracy is on the Cadillac. I do floor (laughs) work. I love it. And I'm like competitive. Look, come on now. This is the real me. And I'm competitive. And my instructor's always like, who are you competing with? Like.
1: Me yesterday, me tomorrow, me in two weeks.
0: Yes. Yes. How many reps I'm able to do, how quickly I'm able to get through the routine. She's like, Pilates is not about that. Like, I don't know, but I am.
1: See, I challenge that. When people say that in yoga, I get it. Because it's about a practice and not about winning. But Pilates comes from the world of ballet.
0: Which is so competitive. Yes.
1: Yes. There's no Zen in Pilates. So nice try, instructors. Nice try. No. You wouldn't make a reformer if Zen was involved in that practice.
0: Honey, first of all, it looks like a um, Middle Ages torture device. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that it isn't. (laughs)
1: I know. When you hear the words powerful and ladies, what do they mean to you individually and do they change when they're put together?
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. They definitely change when they're put together when, you know, look, I think I have that kind of male thing, like powerful is big, strong, whatever. And then when I hear powerful ladies, immediately I think of breastfeeding I think of, you know, I I don't have any kids, but I look at how busy and full my life is. And I think, how on earth do these women, particularly like whether the single women married or whatever, navigate having a partner, having a child, and that's a physical, emotional and spiritual void and financial void that you have to fill 24 seven. Mm -hmm. 24 seven and then having your own desires for your life. I do not know how mothers do it. I don't know how they do it. Um, And that is so, that seems so powerful to me. I think like if you can be a mother and turn out a successful child, you can work for me any day of of the week. Negotiating a $5 million deal is nothing Compared to, yeah. you know, getting a seven-year-old in the right school and doing homework yeah. each night.
1: Yeah. Let alone making them
0: eat vegetables. Yeah. Make, and you making <laughs> the vegetables, right? That you <laughs> bought them and then you actually made them. They didn't just go bad in your refrigerator. And then yeah. you convince, like, that's, like, I'm not BSing, yeah. like, that's the alchemy. That's the. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I thought, like, I learned uh, the secret code of how to be successful when I went to a friend's house for, um, our client's house for a coaching session and her housekeeper was there and she was chopping vegetables. So they were all pre-cut. I'm like, wait, you can delegate that task. No one told me about delegating this task that is instantly going on the list. And she's like, yeah, it's it's how I stay so healthy. It's already pre-chopped. I'm like, Okay, more people need to know about this. Going back to what we were saying before, like the secret code of women, like that needs to be in the book because
0: the secret secret code of women and the sisterhood of women, right? Yes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like in the in the black community, you always have, and probably other ethnic communities, you always have a bunch of aunties. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure like when your mom is just at her wit's end when she's about to pop your head off your neck, you know suddenly you're having a sleepover at auntie's house <laughs> or, you know, auntie will take you back to school shopping, but there's always this this community of women supporting one another, you know, and, or people that my mom would do laundry with, or, you know, go shopping with. And we really have to get back to that. Like, that's what we have to do in the workforce as well. These young women should not be operating on a silo. You should be, and whether you believe in the, like, and in the, the Bible, it literally says, like, the older women are supposed to teach the younger, younger women. Like, you should have three or four home girls who are at the same level that you, where you can let off steam. You should have Two older mentors that are, you know, giving you the story of their life constantly and helping you navigate. And you should be bringing up some little snot nosed <laughs> brat, right? Like that's how we move business forward. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. like not trusting the next woman, woman. And no, they're going to fail you. These women are going to fail you. They might sleep yeah. with your boyfriend. They might not keep your secrets. They might not be there for you, but we're human. And you have to extend grace to them. That's one of the things that the guys do, that women are so challenged with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like our girlfriends screw us over and we're like, oh, you know, Help she's persona non grata. She's out, mm-hmm. right? Extend grace to that person. Think like, you know, there for the grace of God go I. How would I want people to treat me and then just do that, you know, yeah. don't loan people money, give people money.
1: Right. And, and your time and yeah, all the things that way. Yeah.
0: All the things
1: we asked everyone on the podcast where they put themselves in the powerful lady scale. If zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine, where would you score yourself today? And on average,
0: Hmm, I would say, I am an 8 aggressively working to be an 11. 11. My yeah, I um I have a huge fucking supernatural goals. Like sante grace, like I wanted like just huge my agency, powerful, a place that people depend on and you know, known as a haven for artists. Yeah, and that excites me doing that. Hard work, that mm-hmm. sweaty grind. I love it. I love getting my clients there. I love getting myself there.
1: Yeah. Describe for people who haven't, who don't work in this space, what is it like to help create someone's dreams with them?
0: <sighs> it's it's a gift from the universe. Mm-hmm achieving my own dreams feels good helping someone else achieve theirs it's the reason that we're all here period when you do that the universe bows to you like that's truly how you get ahead like I said one day we're not going to be here what is the legacy that you leave behind for your community Mm -hmm. for your family That's the question that we have to ask. That's what the work is about. And actually that's where the fun is too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For everyone who is now in love with you and wants to support your brand and you and be a part of it, where can they find you, follow you and support you?
0: So um, if they're interested in following me as a talent agent on IG, they can follow us at TCA MGMT. And if they're interested in seeing my clothes, which you'll love because the clothes are fly, you can follow us on IG at Sante Grace, which is S-A-N-T-E-G-R-A-C-E.
1: Love it. We've also been asking everyone this year, what do you need? Because this group is powerful and connected and likes to make things happen for each other. So what do you need? What are you wishing for?
0: I love you. This power <laughs> oh, my God. It's Nobody true. ever this asked is me group. what I need. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think anybody has ever asked me what I needed. It's,
1: yeah, it's a powerful question that they don't usually ask boss ladies. Mm-hmm.
0: You know what? What I need is a tribe. Okay. What I, yeah, what I need is a tribe. Like, I'm there for people. I need a mm-hmm. tribe of people who will be there for me.
1: Yeah that's a great need all right good thing you're on this powerful ladies podcast there's a few other powerful ladies that might want that too Um, great it has been such a pleasure to talk to you Um, thank you for the space that you're creating for women to feel great and look great and to exemplify who they are on the outside so it shines out to everybody else Uh, thank you for helping make other people's dreams come true and chasing your own along the way Um, And just thank you for your time today. This has been such a fun conversation. I really appreciate it.
0: And thank you. This was completely different than I imagined. And you guys are doing such powerful work. I hope everyone not just watches the podcast, but really studies it, because you're doing great work here.
1: Thank you. The links to connect with Tracy, TCA Management, and Sante Grace are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. They're critical for our podcast visibility and getting us in front of more people like you who would love to hear this episode. Come join us on Instagram at PowerfulLadies. And if you're looking to connect directly with me, visit karaduffy.com or kara underscore Duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode and new amazing guest. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.